to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. so awesome to have every single person joining us online today. It sure is. And again, how great, hey, that we're doing 300 more Hampers of Hope and partnering with families, individuals that are in need during this time. It's just incredible. I love the heart of our church. And, you know, uh, we want to say as well, it's pretty cool to change it up today, do something a little different. You're on your couch, we're on our couch. And uh, it's just cool as well because so many people are having friends over or their connect group over or other just mates from church in their lounge. And we're doing church together as much as we can. And maybe you're listening to this through the week or you're joining for the first time. We're thrilled to have you a part of today. And we are changing it up a little bit because we want to have a conversation about something that really is across the globe escalating at a fast rate. You know, the incidents, I guess, of late, especially with what happened with George Floyd in America, uh, really has seen something globally exposed. And it's really presented uh, a many layered, I would say, reality that racism is real. We know biblically that it's evil, and it's something, though, that many people face. You know, I love what our senior pastor, Pastor Paul, said last Sunday. He said, everything about God reflects equality and the value of all people. Everything about God reflects that. And racism is therefore a direct reflection of the enemy's plan to devalue the God-given value that you and I have, that every person has, that is without exception, of race or color. And so today we do, we wanna have a conversation around this topic of racism and segregation because it isn't God's heart. And as a church, I think it's important that even though it's a sensitive topic, it's an incredibly complex topic that we can't stay silent. You know, we wanna help at this time bridge the gap. We wanna give some insight into our history, help us all understand a little bit clearer about our backyard, about Australia, And better also look at the things that we can do personally to take ownership and engage in a new level of intentionality around bringing about a godly change. You know, as a church, we have always loved and celebrated all cultures. I mean, I love it. The depths of diversity that we have at life is just awesome. The rich warmth of family that it creates here is just amazing. Some of my favorite Sundays have been our cultural Sundays. And the vibrancy and the blend that everybody brings together, the uniqueness that everyone has is just so, so special. And you know what? The truth is, is there's no such thing as a perfect church. And I know that I'm not a perfect pastor, But we are committed to growing and we are going to be committed to learning and increasingly becoming a home for all. And we believe truly that life is a place where everyone is genuinely loved and in God's fullness that people can reach their full potential in Him. And our heart is that as a church, that we would be people that would live out the gospel, that we would be people who would love people and journey with people and make known the truth that on the cross, was the true leveling ground of everything for once and for all. See, Galatians 3, 28 puts it like this. It says, Therefore there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is there male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Amazing. 100% we believe that all lives matter to God. All lives are equal. Despite nationality, the color of our skin, All are created in His image. 
and all deserve exactly the same value. You know, the other night, Nadia and I had the real joy of having a group of friends around at our house, and it was going to be just for a couple of hours, but it literally we all hung out till almost midnight as we heard people's personal stories. And it was really a special time as we learned about our history, and we heard friends talk about their deep love for their culture and their deep love for their people and their land. And and it was, it was honestly awesome. And I guess the thing in it as well is, although it was great to learn the incredible cultures we have and, and the great, I guess, you know, indigenous Australian and Torres Strait Island communities that we have and, and the beautiful things of our nation. It was also hard, I guess, to hear about the realities of what it was like growing up in Australia and the prejudices and the, that, you know, the Aboriginal and the Torres Strait Islanders faced and not just them, but anyone of colour, really. And not just people of colour, but also those of different nationalities. You know, the words that we use, those who are, you know, maybe Asian, those who, you know, were Italian Australians and the, the challenges that were faced from a young age growing up. And can I just say that as we share heart and we talk about this and have this conversation, you know, not, we're not going to get everything perfect and we're not going to say everything exactly right. And, you know, we're definitely not going to be able to cover every angle and every dynamic and bring answers to all the issues. But one thing our heart has always been committed to is that we will always point people clearly to the ultimate healer, the one who will truly restore all areas of humanity, the one who loves the world so much that He gave His one and only Son. We're going to point people to Jesus. He is the ultimate answer that our world needs right now. And, you know, I think for all of us, we need to take on the life of Christ and learn to lead and to love and to show grace and to rise in this ability to initiate forgiveness in new ways. And so, you know, I can say, you know, having an attitude of, you know, she'll be right isn't the attitude we need right now. Playing it down is not the solution. But you might say like me, and this is what I honestly, I've never looked at people by their color. I've never had that a racist bone in my body in a sense. But this doesn't exclude me from the conversation. This doesn't mean that I sit back and watch. It actually needs our attention right now. There are bridges that need to be built, trust that needs to be earned, habits and mindsets that, no, honestly, that need to shift. And it's time for compassion and empathy to flow. It's time for us all to stand in prayer. It's time for us to lift up the name of Jesus over our country, over our community. It's time for us to increasingly humble ourselves and let's together learn what it is to lean into God's Word and lean into His voice that we could all be a part of re-engineering a brighter future. Can I say, you know, from our heart to yours, if this has been a time that has been personally, it's been painful. It's brought up things in history that really ache in your heart, a deep wound. Can I just say we're so sorry that this is something that you're going through, that you're hurting in this way. As pastors, the truth of it is, is when people hurt, we hurt. And it's not easy to, to see this. It's not easy to see the division that's happening through devices like social media and different posts and people getting hurt. And guys, this is not a time to divide. This is a time to unite like never before. We've got to show true wisdom. We've got to show humility. We've got to show mercy and grace. But I want you to know that as a church, we want to be here for you. If you're going through it and it's tough right now, we don't want you to be isolated or alone. We want to stand alongside you. We want to link arms with you and let's walk together. Because you would have remembered, or maybe you weren't a part of the service, but Pastor David McCracken, who two weeks ago spoke here, we actually recorded that service about a week earlier. And that was before the incidents that took place with George Floyd. And, and that really set this whole thing in motion the way it has globally. He actually prophesied that one of the pictures, one of the things he saw us as a church being that God wants, I believe, is a God thing, 
is that actually we would be a church, a community of people that would have the strength of different nationalities and different ethnic groups coming together in this local body. And that we together would grow a strategy for what it is to reach further into our communities and be able to unite in a whole new way. And I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. I know it's going to take prayer and I know it's going to take hearing from the Holy Spirit, but that excites me that we are, as a church, called to be a part of the solution. And so our prayer out of this is really that we would grow in our heart for all humanity, that we would increase in our intentionality to embrace all, and that we would learn how to celebrate and strengthen you know, and integrate the rich cultures of our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, and that we would be people who would actually find in our church where hearts are hurting would be a place where hearts are healed, and that collectively we would commit to dismantling that which the enemy wants to use to divide, and that we would see new levels of unity and new levels of togetherness take place. And so I hope you hear our heart as we kind of lay the foundation for our conversation. And, you know, we are really believing that we're all going to lean in and God's going to speak to us all. But it really is an honor of ours to have some friends with us around the, I guess, around the table or on the couches today. And so it's awesome to have Joelle, beautiful Joelle with us, who's on team here on staff with us and does a lot within our community arm. And also great to have Justin and Janine, who are a brilliant part of our church family and been coming for around 12 months or so. And then there's none other than like Gary and uh, Kim, who are incredible. And Kim couldn't be with us, but great to have you with us, Gary. Uh, you're phenomenal. And so maybe just to throw it over to, to you guys, Justin and Janine, maybe you could start. Just tell us a little bit about who you are um, and just a little bit of your, I guess, your, your heritage and your history here in Australia. Yeah, I'm Justin Muhammad. Um, I'm a grand grand man from southeast Queensland and uh, a traditional owner group up there. And I moved down to Victoria when I was about 19 and lived in a place called Shepparton and, uh, and then went off to Canberra. But I've worked in um, Aboriginal affairs since I was 20 years of age, so nearly 30 years, giving away my age a little bit. And, um, and currently is the, um, hold a role as the Commissioner for Aboriginal Children and Young People here wow. in Victoria. So Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. So great. And just uh, grateful for the wealth of experience and understanding you have as well and, and the ability to help speak into this. It's just really cool. And Janine, for you as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm Janine Mohammed. I'm a Narunga Ghana woman. Um, I grew up in, in, on the York Peninsula in South Australia um, on an Aboriginal mission, actually. Um, I'm a mum of five, married to Justin. Um, so I suppose an important part of my identity has been that I'm a nurse and I actually ran um, a, a nursing association for Indigenous nurses and midwives in Canberra and um, that was over a year ago that I left that position to move with Justin uh, to Melbourne and we've been here at the church for a year and absolutely loving it, loving the fact that we're having this conversation today. Um, so in a nutshell I've been involved in uh, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander health for over 20 years and much of my work has been dedicated to anti-racism. Amazing. Yeah, fantastic. So good. Gary, for you, Hi, mate. everybody. Um, well, I've been in Australia now for 36 years. I've uh, been in life for about three years. And I'm a client director for IT software company based out of the US, travel a lot. Um, and I'm Chinese, uh, born in Malaysia, and immigrated here in 1984, and then got married with Kim shortly after. Beautiful. So good. And I'm Joelle Kabamba. I um, um, come from a family of about 13 children. We might, uh, as refugee from uh, Democratic Repu 
Republic of Congo, you have to say it really slow. And uh, we have lived in Australia here and uh, as part of life for the past seven years, but came from Brisbane and did over 28 years in Brisbane and then moved to Melbourne and been part of life since. I love it, life and I love what I've been able to do over the years, working in context of community, in many different uh, contexts, where I've worked a lot in humanitarian uh, space as well, done a lot of um, project uh, overseas, as well as here in Australia in the sector of uh, humanitarian and refugee and asylum seekers. Well, it's so good to have you joining us and I just think it's crazy that so much of our history in Australia hasn't been acknowledged. You know, I've just found out this week that Aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders used to be hunted for sport. You know, their heads used as trophies and this was only made illegal in Tasmania in the 1900s, like it's just heartbreaking. And then to hear that the rate of suicide amongst our Indigenous people is six times higher than non-Indigenous Australians. And you know, things like the Kimberley region has the highest suicide rate in the world amongst young people. And it's, it's just, again, heartbreaking. And I just think it can be so easy to, to sweep what is painful just under the carpet. But I think it would be great to talk about why it's actually important that we acknowledge it that we take time to talk about our history. So I'd just love to hear from your perspective. Yeah, well, um, before I came down um, to Victoria, I was the CEO of Reconciliation Australia, and this question came up a lot about historical truths or truth-telling and getting the full history about Australia. And one of the things we started unpacking and why it is important, not only does you have to unpack the pain and the terrible things that have happened, which you've just mentioned, yeah. But by not telling the truth, you also then don't talk about the strengths and the resilience and the the reason why Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the longest living culture in, on this planet. You know, that's something for Australia to be proud of. So the value which comes with that doesn't get told because we want to try to block out part of our history. And it's um, in for me, it is what basically what God tells us to do. We've got to, you know, we've got to we've got to heal. And we can't heal if we don't confess or we or to put our hand up and say these things have happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. For me, um, it's as simple as the truth will set us free. You yeah. talk about the statistics, you know, of young yeah. people. Um, and behind that, that's a lack of belonging. That's um, you know, someone not having hope to yeah. want to take their lives. Um, and so I think truth telling for me is for us to be seen for us to be valued and accepted. And I think in a spiritual sense, we've got to look at those strongholds um, that have come through, you know, um, as part of the legacy, really, and, and be able to address them, you know. So it's really important about self-reflection of self, but also of our history and, and some of those bonds that we can break. Yeah. yeah, and I think the incredible thing as well is that when we start looking into the history that we have as a nation, we start to realise the incredible gifts uh, that our Torres Strait Islanders and our Aboriginal community have, you know, speaking locally of Australia, uh, there is such richness in that. There is such creativity. There's such strength, as you guys uh, put so clearly. And it's coming back and realising that um, those are things that we can't do without when we go forward into the future. You know, having grown up in New Zealand, uh, you know, not that everything's perfect in New Zealand in the sense of how this is outworking as well, but uh, the reality of 
cultural you know, language and uh, what you learn in school and what you learn growing up and what is already used, like words like hello and you know the fact that we sing the national anthem there in Māori before we sing it in English, things like that. It's just second nature. It was funny, the other night I asked Easy to some friends, I said, Easy, where's your puku? Uh, you know, which is your stomach? And he's, he's just literally had his second birthday and he walked over to Nadia, to her embarrassment, and lifted up her top and showed, showed everybody her tummy because she wasn't prepared for it. But at two years old, he, he understands this cultural language. And yep. so for us, even as we've learned and as we've grown this awareness of our history, we're going, man, our kids need this rich history. Yep. They need to know the language. They need to know some of the stuff. And so we sat down around our, our dinner table and, and just started to unpack it and talk about it. And we drew indigenous pictures and we looked at different words that they can start using and incorporating in their everyday life because it's a rich part of who this nation is. But at the same time, if we don't look at the history and realize actually how, I guess, bad it is, the reality of how bad it is, um, then we don't live with the same compassion we're called to live with. And in this, we kind of go, ah, it's not that big a deal. Uh, we dismiss it. And we can be dismissive of people's pain right now. And we can say, oh, don't worry, mate, get over it. You know, hasn't there been some compensation? Didn't, haven't you got some grants coming your way? And we think that money or, or those yes. little things are going to uh, make things right. Yeah. But we've got to know the history so that actually we don't have pity on people. Yeah. But we act like Jesus. We have empathy and we have compassion. And we learn how to actually come alongside people and journey and speak hope that, you know what? As for us, we're going to join together and we're going to have a better future. Yep. We are going to have a brighter outcome. I think one of the most powerful things we can do at the moment is listen to other people's stories. You know, I'll never know personally what it is to walk in your shoes, but I don't want to walk around unaffected by what others face. You know, just comfortable in my bubble and the things that concern me that I don't see you or hear you. And I did a message last year about the bubble effect and the bubble effect is where you're content in your own world impervious and unaffected by what's on the outside of it. You know, I, I have a sense that this is a time where we need to pop the bubble and to discover the pain of what others are walking through or have walked through. And so today, I think it would be great just to hear from you about your story, you know, growing up in Australia and how people have treated you based on the colour of your skin and nationality. Yeah, well, um, it's. I mean, I was thinking about this um, when all the um, stories and everything broke about George Floyd and how, why did it affect me? And you, as a as an Aboriginal man, but as a man of colour, and that was in the US, and I'm in Australia. But it's these things that happen worldwide has has a connection to many of us and many of our extended family and communities or friends that we we see about right here in this country and. Um, I remember my first um, contact with any form of racism was when I, when I was, went to school and I couldn't believe someone called me the names they did. I never heard of those names before. I didn't really even understand it. I was at preschool it was, so I was only little because I was with my family. I didn't even know what racism was until I went to school and stepped out of my bubble, I suppose. Um, and that followed, has followed right through all of my life. I mean... At certain times, it was like every day at school, there was no anti-bullying or any anti-discrimination um, sort of things that were happening. So you had to handle it yourself and that usually end up with fights in the schoolyard. But sometimes it was on a daily basis. Um, right through when I went to work, there was no one that you could think you could kind of raise the issue with because no one would really understand. 
be accused mainly of overreacting, not understand. You, know, you misinterpreted what people said, they didn't mean it. Um, on sporting fields, you know, either you retaliated and you messed up for the rest of the team because there was penalties awarded against you because you may have got into an altercation or you just take it and you just try to be the bigger person. But when you go home, it just sits there in your stomach and it doesn't quite go away and it hurts and it hurts. And then when you see other people hurt and when you have your own children, it becomes, you realise this thing as you get older, it isn't just something just passing by. It's always hovering and over you and then over your family. And, and the hardest thing for any of us parents is when you see your children going through similar things. And that's when it really hits home. That's why Janine and I, the work that we do, um, racism is real and it does really um, affect people and to the point where um, without God, it, it is so hard. With God, it is still hard. Um, and so that's where that's the type of things that I've kind of had in my life. Yes, yeah, certainly I've been racially profiled, whether that's walking into Woolies, self-serve section, you know, my best tracksuit on, and being asked for my receipt, um, you know, being told I'm too pretty to be Aboriginal, uh, being asked how much Aboriginal I am, um, being told what the problem is with Aboriginal people as opposed to the problems that we face. Uh, the effect of that is, um, you know, everyday microaggressions and having to put your armour on every day and also having to teach your children at a very young age um, about racism and the language to have around racism or else um, you know they can feel so disempowered in in, in their own country uh, because there isn't a great narrative out there about who Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander peoples are um, we only have to read the newspapers to know that that's so true and I saw a second what you're saying Justin because for me as well in school coming moving from the Congo to coming to Australia I had to to succumb to the same thing the color of my skin meant something that was just derogatory for a lot of the, the my peers they call me certain names I found myself consistently going to bed crying and wondering why I was created the way that I was. I was not given opportunity for many different reasons, whether it was work-related, whether it was, and, and for me in those days as I work as a high school chaplain and also a youth pastor, I encountered in those days, there was not a lot of women that were uh, ministering around my age group, let alone people that looked like me. So people looked at, looked at me with a frown and some even said to me many times that I'm not, I see the call of God on your life, but I'm not going to give you an opportunity on my pulpit. It was things like that because of the color of my skin, but also similar to what Justin has also said and, and just the, the, the fact that you walk into a shop you're being denied the, the opportunity to be talked to and to be looked at. And so we learn to just becoming a little bit, um, an, an, uh, what's the word, uh, the best word, numb. numb. We become numb to some things because you're like, you know what, I'm, not, I'm just not going to fight that. We just get on with life and focus on the big things. I remember when I bought my first home in Melton and, you know, um, we, we were so proud of that home and then, to only have these anti-Asian stickers put against our windows and our car screens. And then on a subsequent night, we had bricks thrown into our windows, smashing our windows and stuff, and stop the Asian invasion, you know. And that was pretty much my first encounter on racism. And then subsequent to that, we went for to buy our groceries. And we, we were refused to be served by the, the counter uh, lady just because we were of different color. And, and that was so, so not right. So true. So how have you 
as you face this daily, and is it something that you still walk with and you you um, have grown up in? You know, how have you brought God into the ability to bring healing, to have such, you guys have such a great outlook, you know, no doubt that's something that's a conscious decision you make. Um, you've got spirits that are light, even though it's a heavy area. But how have you, how, is, how have you journeyed this with God? How have you caught Him into the middle of it? Yeah, well, it's, um, I think looking at Jesus Himself is one of the best examples in all of this. I mean, He... Um, he was the first to go to the person at need, um, the, the, the message around forgiveness and to be able to draw on who we, where your identity sits. And that's um, something which the world that we lived in or we, we live in and what was telling us that our identity, being Aboriginal, wasn't valued, it was this, it was that, negatively, having going back and then sitting in God's presence and understanding the power which and the identity which I was formed in, in God's in God's likeness, um, is something which kind of really keeps me in this um, place where I know that um, I, I am a, I'm, I'm the son of a king. And um, that gives me that strength to keep uh, walking through when people may say things that are different to that. I'm constantly reminded by statistics that um, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here. There's no other way, yeah. And through Christian people, I'm here as well. So I bring God into every speech I do, into every boardroom I walk into. Um, so, and God's taught me to love people, um, and that's at that, my heart. Um, I'm, I'm also acutely aware that um, racism is not of God; <laughs> that that's of the enemy, um, and that's been brought about to divide nations, to divide in, divide individuals. And I will fight against that for our Father. I found that for me, a lot of the time, I had to learn very quickly to understand where my identity lays. At the time, I didn't even, I didn't have a relationship with Christ. I, I went to church because I thought it was my ticket to heaven. But once I became and I gave my heart to God, I started memorizing. For me, it was about memorizing scripture. When God began, because I was crying myself to sleep most nights to say, I'm, I'm ugly, I'm everything my peer was saying. But I started taking hold of the scripture that say, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that I have a future and a purpose for you. Don't throw away your confidence because it has a reward. And where it says, you know, don't let anyone look down on you because you're a youth, but be an example. Those were scripture for me. I still recall putting them on my mirror every morning, looking at them. And it transformed something within me shifted where I began to look at people and realize for the first time I, I wasn't the person with the problem. They had the problem. And so that's how I learned to be graceful, to understand that they have a journey to walk. I'm walking mine. And it's just and that allowed for me to see how I could consistently look at supporting others that were walking through that same journey. I know talking the other night, Gary, for you and Kim, you know, there's been that, there's a great fire, you know. Yeah. If Kimmy was here, she'd be, she'd be yep. talking about that. She just wouldn't take those comments on. She Correct. wouldn't let them be a part of yep. her story. Yep. So, I mean, for you, how has God really helped? As you said, you reached out. So yep. here you've got people hurting you, but you still reached out to them. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, our identity in Christ is all, is so important for Kim and myself, knowing who we are in God, not as the world sees, but as God sees. And, and that's so fundamental in every relationship that we have today uh, that changes our acceptance level for diversity, the, the lonely, the street people, you know, anyone. 
It doesn't really matter what gender they are, but it's the ability to accept because of who God is in our lives. I think that changes our mindset. That ability to value people, that ability to not see the outward appearance, you know, to, so you see them and you acknowledge that, but that at the same time doesn't put a stereotype. It doesn't, it doesn't cause us to then go, oh, I, okay, they must fit in that box, you know, which is what you guys have experienced. Um, you know, and I think we all experience it. I think I would experience the same, you know, being a young pastor, amount of people that go, what, you're a pastor, you can't be, you know, like, it's like they just, everyone likes to box everything. Yeah. You know, how have you, Joel, worked in showing value? Like, how do you bring value to others how do you you know how do we pull down the stereotype and actually get to the heart yeah sure I think for me at a very young age I started already just recognizing that um, the differences is actually the strength that we can all um, benefit from uh, and I, I learned at a very young age my, my watching my mum the way she engaged with people that she did not it didn't matter because we grew up with Caucasian around us as well and but yet the way she engaged with people she gave to us her own children 13 of us so much love and so much um, life but she did the same for for others as well and I learned from that time earlier on that it, it's got nothing to do with how people look it's what's in them it's yeah. the it's the significance of what's in their lives yeah. And just to add to, to value, I think God calls us to do is to love people. And, and in loving people, we have to see their uniqueness. That's the uniqueness in all of their talents, but the uniqueness in their needs as well. So um, we have to give people what they need in terms of reaching equity. Um, we, we, we can't give everyone the same because that's not going to have the same effect for everyone. Um, I use a beautiful little diagram where people, you know, um, of all different heights trying to look over a football fence and, and you give a couple of people a stool because they need it so they can see over the football fence and that's about giving people what they need um, and then we can give, uh, then we can see the same outcomes for everyone. So it's about seeing the beautiful uniqueness. Love that. And I think it leads incredibly into this sort of, you know, how do we actually fight for unity? Because I think sometimes we can think unity um, will just happen because we'll create this incredible environment of peace. But you know, I love what Romans 16, uh, 12 verse 16 says, live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking that you're too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be snug or even think for a moment that you know it all. And I, I love that verse and you know, this whole thought in fighting for unity, especially in this time, how, how, do, we, how do we do this? You know, because I think, you know, you can feel like sometimes, okay, you know, I'm told if I'm silent that that's violence, you know, like that that's racism in itself. But then if I go to speak, um, I'm I'm scared of saying the wrong thing because this is such a new topic that I'm scared of not getting the articulation right and I think a lot of people can be feeling that at this time so how do we do that how do we stand for unity in, at this time I think for me it's um, the experience you go through helps you be stronger and gives you a sense of purpose for me especially in terms of remediating that hurt uh, was we built friendships with our neighbours that subsequently reduced the number of 
violence and, and things that happened in our lives just because they associated us with boat being boat people, you know, coming to colonize the suburbs. And we didn't. We were just normal people that loved God and, and loved people. And that remediated it. I think that's, um, I mean, I think the unity, that question and how do we do that practically. Um, and it's when you think of unity, I think of the unity of people standing side by side together. No one's in the front, no one's at the back. Um, looking out for the, the people maybe that are struggling the most, encouraging and rewarding or celebrating when people do well. Um, and I think that's part of what unity is. So the next time, I would say in a practical sense, you know, if you do hear something that, and there may not be anyone of colour in the room, but there's a joke made or there's, you're in a shop and um, the person in front of you is of colour and but they ask you to get served, just point it out so they're there before me. You don't have to kind of even be a great activist in it, but all you walk out and say, look, I don't think that joke's appropriate and or, or, or that sort of terminology is not used anymore. So in a sense, you call it out, but you don't have to be aggressive about it and do everything what God, you know, how Jesus would do it. But I think the more we have of that, um, I think we can make this country unified, which those things of the past are no longer wanted or no longer practiced and there's no space for it. Totally agree. I think you took the words out of my mouth, <laughs> which is awesome. We need first to, to find out what is unity. You know, there's a Priscilla Shire says it very well that, you know, unity is not sameness, but it's oneness of purpose. So as God's people, we have to remember that purpose, who are we about and what are we fighting for and consistently keeping that at the forefront that it's about humanity. You know, God said for one uh, commandment that he left us is I love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so that means if I, if we are having a challenge to love others, maybe we need to think about are we not loving ourselves first enough so that we can then extend that love to others. And um, and I think if we start with those small steps where we've got a long, we, we'll be able to cover a lot more ground I love that and I think one thing that um, we're obviously very passionate about and I think will be important to look at is why is the church, you know, so important in this area at this time? You know, why is the church needed? You know, you, again, scriptures like Colossians 1 verse 18 that says, He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning of the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one holding first place in everything. So I think as the church, we're called to lead the way Yes. in all areas of life Very so good. we're called that's why we're having this conversation yep. you know because we're called to lead the way in yep. this so just maybe other thoughts as well about why church is so important in, in regards to this whole thought I think for me I think the church reflects the father's heart and and the father's heart is love and love unconditionally and it doesn't matter whether race creed colour God loves that's it and, and if we embrace that Father's love as a church, I think we stand for what is right and we never sweep things under the carpet. We expose it to the light of God and let, the, let God deal with it, you know. And so I think that as a church, we should be responsible and reflect that heart of the Father. I think the church is really important because firstly, when Christ came, He didn't come as an as a, um, engineer. He didn't come as a physician, yes, but he came as a saviour. 
And I think uh, I'm not afraid of the gospel because it's a salvation unto everyone who believes. There is power and salvation in that. So I just believe that the, the, we as a church have so much to offer to our world. And I love, love, love that we are having this discussion because we need to start somewhere. And there are so many hurting lives. And I think we need to not dismiss the, the hurt and the pain and the story that people have because once we start hearing it, then we begin to open door for that healing at which the church, only the church can offer. This is our home and it's beautiful to have who I am acknowledged and reflected back at me. So for your Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander parishioners, for your parishioners of of colour, thank you for seeing us. Absolutely. Oh, you're not just seen, you're you're a huge part of the family. You could be listening to this and be a part of this service and not actually know uh, the reality that God is a God who is a God of love and a God who sees you. And I hope you've been hearing it today in this conversation really clearly. He's not exclusive. Uh, You know, His presence, His goodness, His grace, His healing, as Nadia talked about, isn't for a selected few. It's for every single person. And all it requires of us is actually to open up our heart to Him. Uh, He made a way. God made a way by sending His Son, Jesus, to come and live amongst us. And He was treated in the same ways. He was despised, He was mistreated, yet He kept living out His life in a way that would enable us to have access to God. And so He actually laid His life down that we could have life, have eternal life, and that we could know Him personally. And He didn't just die on a cross, this brutal death, but He actually rose again. He rose to life victorious, triumphant over death, triumphant over sin, triumphant over racism, triumphant over brokenness, triumphant over pain. But we don't get to that place of healing on our own or by doing good works. We get to that place by surrender, surrendering our heart and allowing Him to come in, meet us where we're at as we are and to journey us forward. And I'd love to include you in a prayer. If you don't know God personally, or maybe you once did, but the truth of it is, is right now you're disconnected from God. I'm not here to tell you you've done wrong things. I'm here to say God's uh, forgiveness is available afresh. Come on, would you engage that relationship again? And so we're going to pray a prayer. And it's for you to be able to pay pray personally right where you are and just to invite God into your heart. Say, you know what, God, I'm going to take a step of faith towards you to believe in you. And you'll realize in that moment, God's run from heaven to earth to meet with you right where you are. And His presence is going to touch your heart and His peace is going to fill your life as you pray this. All right, so you've never prayed this prayer before, or maybe you once did, but you're away from Him. And today you're saying, Craig, I'm going to get right with God. This is the best decision you can make. So, so let's all pray this prayer together right where you are. Say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus today I open my heart to you. Today I open my heart to you. And I receive your love. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I, receive your forgiveness. I pray you fill me with your peace. I pray that you fill me with your peace. Wash me clean. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. Make me brand new. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. That he loves me. That he that He has a plan and a purpose for my life. With Your help, would You lead me in this? From this day forward, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, to everybody who just prayed that prayer, what an incredible decision to make. And I know right now there's a warmth that's in your heart. I experienced it myself as a young adult as I gave Him my heart. I want to tell you, it's the best decision you can ever make. You will have noticed if you're in the chat that uh, there's a little box that comes up, like a virtual raise hand. Really encourage you to jump on there and to click that button. Say, you know what? I prayed that prayer. That was me. I made that decision. People around are going to be pushing heart buttons and celebrating you in the comments. Or if you haven't got access to the chat, then you'll see below me a URL 
And there's an opportunity there to jump online and, uh, and get connected into the decision that you've made. And it really is the best decision, but it's not just a decision. This is actually about starting to unlock the destiny that God created yeah. for you to live. And we want to support you in that. We're not going to pester you, but by you giving us your email means that we can send you at least one email this week that lets you know your next step from here. Uh, also just keep saying to you, hey, we're here to walk this with you. And we'd also love to give you this Bible. All right, we'd love to send it to you this week. And so uh, please click that button, follow the links or see the URL, the QR code, scan that. And then let's get one of these to you. And then just keep journeying with God. All right, I really wanna just say to, to anyone who just has felt, I guess, again, the rawness of this season. Would you continually just keep putting it in God's hands? His grace is big enough. Yeah. But then also, would you allow yourself to be linked arms with others? There's people that want to walk with you through this time. There's people that want to carry you at this time. And so please allow us as a church to do that. But it is going to mean you're going to have to put your hand up or make a call or send a text to a friend and say, hey, this has been hard. And then that opens the door for the ability for the church, for friends, <laughs> for, yeah, I guess that unconditional love to come around. And let's start seeing change and transformation take place. I guess just quickly as well, I just want to say a couple of things in relation to you know, our church. Can I say to us, this, this changes the way not only that we see people, but it also changes the way that we intentionally need to start approaching people. What that means is that when we start gathering again, which I pray we are going to be doing in the next few weeks, it means when you walk into the foyer, don't go to the same people that you know. Don't just go to the ones that seems like, oh, I probably have something in common with them. I'll go to them. Take a step across the room, walk and find one and ask them the questions. Toad, tell me about your history. Tell me about some of the things that you love. Tell me about your story. I think for all of us, we have a beautiful story to tell. And maybe not every story is easy, but every story is valuable. Yes. And can we be, will we be the type of church that in meet and greet, again, don't turn to the one that looks like the easy conversation, but let's just turn and show value to every person. And, uh, you know, cultural differences really when taps together create a very beautiful picture. Amen. And I'm grateful for the spirit we have as a church. I'm grateful for the heart that you carry that makes us a home for all. Yeah. But let's, we can all get better. We can all grow further. And then the other thing I want to encourage us is, is let's not engage in nonsense online. Let's not engage in quarreling online between their thought and their thought and this thing and that thing and the, this but and that but. Can we just, come on, put your opinion on in regards to your support and your, your love for people and your inclusion of all ethnicities. Put that out there. But if somebody wants to have a go back at you, just don't entertain it. Yeah. Let's just not create this thing to become a time that there's division. No, there's a time of unity and sometimes silence in those matters is important. I think be clear about what you believe in, but also let's not entertain stuff that's not going to actually build people closer together, uh, which is really good. I hope you hear my heart in that because I think, come on, we can all show greater wisdom at this time. But Joel, Justin, uh, Janine, Gary, you guys are amazing. We want to say thank you so much for, for coming and being a part of this. It's just absolutely awesome. And uh, yeah, we really, really appreciate you guys. It's amazing. And so just so good to have every single person joining us online. We so value your contribution, you know, you linking in and just really pray that God has done something. So we're going to close up in prayer and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. But God, we just thank you for what you've done today. And God, yes, I just God. pray that you keep growing us, keep changing us. God, with their areas that uh, there is pain, God, I pray that you'd bring your healing touch. And God, I pray that that we'd continue to move forward in this area, that there would be greater unity in who we are. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed.
download this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.